And did you know that this podcast is an independent production? That's right. The Eric Norcross podcast is an indie podcast. And because of that, we depend on listeners like you to help support the show. The best way to become a supporter is to become a patron. Patreon is a membership platform that allows creators to develop a more sustainable source of financial support for their projects. My Patreon supports this podcast. If you find this podcast worthwhile, please consider becoming a patron by heading over to the Patreon link in the description. That's patreon.com slash Eric Norcross. Again, patreon.com slash Eric Norcross, and the link will be in the description. Thank you, and on with the show. All right, I have one more announcement before I go into the episode. I know these can be super annoying, but this is not a paid advertisement. This is actually about one of my projects. I made a feature film called Fractals, and guess what? It is now available for streaming. Just visit my website, ericnorcross.com. Look for the movie Fractals, and there will be a list of platforms where you can stream it. Thanks. course well you know in april i only feature writers with books and so okay because uh, april is national poetry month so ah. i'm sort of stockpiling episodes for that okay this uh, is a very good strategy yeah and uh <laughs> you stood out because uh you have this very clever uh approach to twitter and that's just to ask questions ah uh, yes oh man <laughs> I'm almost at my two-year anniversary, so of literally doing it every day, you know, 10-plus questions a day. Wow. Are you, are you taking them? Well, I mean, well, let's we'll can dive into that. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I officially would love to have the audience get to know you first, so um, can you tell us about yourself? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm basically a biochemist. I uh, went to school for it. Uh, I guess you have to go to school for it, or I don't know anymore. Maybe you don't. And uh, I got a BSc in biochemistry. I also had another undergraduate bachelor degree in general science. Um, but I decided to go with biochemistry because I wanted to originally be a quantum physicist. But then I realized that basically the problem is I'm not going to be able to get a job in it, you know, unless I like teaching, I don't really like teaching. So I, I, you know, I thought, okay, well, let's get something I might be able to actually get employment in. So I picked biochemistry and did my BSc in that, then, you know, try to do a master's and then uh, sort of did a comprehensive exam, got into the PhD program and then got my PhD in it. Um, That's more or less what I'm about uh, but I don't really just like to confine myself to just that because I had a lot of reasons as to why I went to university in the first place, which is not really straightforward. I actually coming out of high school, which I actually didn't even complete. I, um, really just wanted to do other things, but then I had these 
things that come up and questions I had. And I thought, you know what, how can I actually get all this stuff to work? And I realized, well, you're going to have to go to school. So I came into it with sort of a purpose. And so it made it very easy to get through it, I think, because a lot of people struggle with university. So there's a lot of it's very hard. I'm sure if you've been there, I'm sure you know all about college and the pressures of these things, right? Yeah, well, so, I, I, uh, I re- revisited my education late in life. So I didn't actually get my undergrad until I was 35, 36. That's that's actually really good, though. I think that's a better time to get it because that's what happened to me. I was a little older. I was about 23 when I got in and I really had a purpose to do it. And it just made it so much better, um, you know, because I had a reason. I had reasons and goals. I have to admit, though, when I came out of it, though, it was all kind of a very confusing thing because the economy was different and people, the hiring processes were insane and much different than I had remembered going in. So I wasn't able to actually execute all the things I wanted to do. So that really was kind of a damper. So this is what I do essentially. Um, But I like to have a broad idea of things that I'm I'm into. I just don't like biochem. I like everything. You know, I'm always interested in anything like, you know, why the stoplights? Why did they put them there? You know, anything, you know, why does this ant crawling on my shoe? It's insane. So, yeah, you can pretty much see where it all comes from there. Yeah, I feel like I'm in the same boat where, like, any anything and everything interests me all the way down to why is reality the way it is? It makes zero sense whatsoever. <laughs> and I love like that question. Base level question. I know, but and I love that question because that is like the kicker right there is like, what is all this? What is it? It's bizarre. You know, people are saying, is it a dream? No, it's not. Well, yes, it is. And I'm saying, you know, well, I don't know. We Have we really even thought about it yet? And I think that's the bigger question is how much time do we all spend thinking about it? And how much time together do we spend thinking about it? Yeah. And also f- t- t- from which position? So like, it seems like mm. a lot of people just think about it in the context of how can we make it work? the way we want it to and not the way it is working. So, um, and, and, you know, it, it opens a whole thing up about, you know, religion and what people experience. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, this is the big philosophical thing is what the fuck is all this? And, you know, you'll get, you'll get like people who are like, Oh, it's, life is just an education system for something. Well, what is that other thing? If that's the thing. And also where's the proof? And, uh, it's just every, every question, especially the, the ones that you're asking unravels even more questions. Like I was, I was going down, I was, I had your book up on uh, my Kindle app and I was just asking my girlfriend questions while she was working and she would come back at me with 10 more. (laughs) And this is what I want. This is what I want. This is the whole thing. And I, I was hoping that other people will, will not just go, oh, well, George is the guy that wrote the question book. No, I want everybody to write one because this is what our problem is. We don't ask enough questions. And, I, and I'm hoping because I see a few more accounts that are starting to ask more serious questions. And I'm hoping that more people will do this. And it's like, don't even worry about the engagement. We need to ask this because as you've seen right there, if I can ask you one question and then you can come back with 10 more. I've made my point. This is the whole point, right? We don't really think about everything as much as we should. Well, that's the thing I noticed about your 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 social media approach is 
you've created more engagement, more positive engagement with this. And I'm going to tell you straight up, prior to finding your account, I've tried to film a YouTube video about why Twitter sucks at least 20 times, and I never got it right. I never released it because I couldn't get it right. Yeah, and yeah. What I what I realized after seeing your account is it's unempathetic. And by simply asking a question, you are starting to empathize because you're waiting for an answer. Right. That's the thing, right? And what it's done, it actually surpassed my expectations because what it's done is it's created, it's found all the smart people. And they, I think, were looking for something like this. And so I have like really good statements bookmarked. Like they're better. I've read books and they don't have a like a kicker statement like this in them. And I bookmark these statements and I think, and sometimes I read over them again and again. I'm thinking, wow, these people are so smart. And there's smart people out there. Like there's smarter people out there than me for sure. And this is what it does. And then the biggest thing is that we got an audience, you know, call them what you want, lurkers, fence sitters, or just people that are curious and don't really want to have input. This is the people we really get because you never know what they're thinking about it, but if they're engaging it, this is what I want is to see, you know, for people to see that this is what other people do do like, you know, we're doing this. And so it's very interesting microcosm, I guess you'd call it that is created on a Twitter platform. And I just want more people to do it. Really. I wish they would. Yeah. I, um, I think about the, like the people who don't engage in general, like with the podcast, Oh, I could have like a hundred views and then two comments out of that hundred views. So there's a lot of lurkers as you know. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and they're absolutely. watching it though. Like, cause I, I, I look at also like how much time they're actually watching and they're yeah. watching most of it for the most part. They're just not yes. engaging beyond that. So why are they lurking and what are the, what are they thinking about while they're doing that? I don't know, because that's the really interesting part. And I, I still haven't really got an answer for you. I think a lot of people are in the hesitant stage. I think a lot of people work a lot. I think they're busy. Their lives busy them. And in the back of their head, when they're doing something, there's always that moment, probably a few times in a day where they go, huh, why is this? Why is it this way? And so I think that that is maybe someone who might come out to look at these things and go, hmm, you know, they're, they're very intelligent people. They're not settling on a, an immediate answer or anything. They're just pondering it. And that's, that's really what we want, you know, is just to have someone think a little bit more about, well, why am I doing this? You know, why am I sitting here in this traffic going to this job? Really? <laughs> you know, yeah. like what's really at work behind that? Yeah, and I feel like if you try to come to an answer, um, it, it it's very easy to go down just the rationality and irrationality, I, I should say, of everything. So, well, I'm, I'm here because I have to pay the bills. Well, that's not, I mean, I guess that's half true, but do you really have to? I don't know. But um, one, of the, one of the things I always say is the healthiest mindset is, is that of somebody who doesn't acknowledges they don't really know like i'm sure some of it has to do with paying the bills some of it has to do with the fact that we were told by our parents that eventually we're going to end up commuting to work every day you know and now we're doing it or <laughs> yeah. whatever but yeah. like 
ultimately, those are very small parts of the answer, whatever the answer is. Yeah, and I think that, that see, this is really interesting because I've asked questions around this. And if I had to paint a model, just from what I've gathered now, it's not conclusive by any means. But if I had to kind of put it together, we're doing this because it's sort of like a lemming rush, if you can imagine a bunch of lemmings just seeing other lemmings running. And, you know, this is sort of the thing. We're not really, you know, wanting to go into the work world. We're kind of pulled into it because there's so many people, there's just enough critical people that are, you know, in it already that you have to join. You know, you can't kind of say no. <laughs> you know, you can't get away from this. Yeah. And you're just kind of dragged into it, I think. But that's, it's a nice idea. But I don't know if that also completely explains it. And so, again, there you go. There's more questions to be asked. Yeah, I like that. Because I don't think any of us really wanted to go to work. I don't. I don't. You know, it's working for someone else's dream. I got my own. What in the hell am I doing that for? Well, I can't get the money. Why? Because I don't know the people that will give me the money. <laughs> yeah. Well, know? I mean, that's a whole other thing, too, is um, yeah, we work towards an end that we might not end up arriving to. Um, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've worked for clients who I thought were going to end up, you know, giving me the ticket to where I want, where I thought I wanted to be at the time. And so that's why I would work with certain clients who, who, who might have undervalued me uh, or who 100% did undervalue me. <laughs> and um, I think a lot of people are in that boat. And it was only during, over the course of the pandemic where I'm like, you know what? I'm so sick and tired of wasting my energy. I'm just burning out for other people. I started yes. the podcast during the pandemic because I was already doing it for other people. And while some of them paid well, some of them didn't, ultimately, uh, I wasn't putting anything out there that I thought was worth anything. You know, I had mm. one podcast that I was working for where the guy was just hawking crypto, you know, <laughs> mm. and it's just like, yeah, eh, right. I could do better than this. Um, and so it started out as just advice on how to be productive. There's value, especially if you're, especially since I was gearing it towards artists who were kind of just foggy because of New York lockdown and, and all that, mm -hmm. um, didn't know how to move forward. And then I bring in other people to talk about how they were being productive and it just kind of evolved from there. And, and I found a lot more value in that, but I don't remember why I got, got into that, but, <laughs> uh, it, I'm just kind of at a point at 40 years old where I have, I've, I've gone back to school. I did my undergrad. I did my graduate degree. I've done all this work that amounted really to very little. And now I just kind of only want to produce work that I think is important to it, much more important than I was doing. And I don't want to commute for organizations that don't matter. Mm, no way. That's the whole problem. And, and, you know, I feel that, you know, no matter what, we're going to get dragged back into all of this, mm -hmm. you know, Somehow, you know, managers and real estate agents will definitely find a way to, you know, drag us back into it. But none of us really want to do this because it's like, look, this is your dream, not our dream, you know. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. you know, and we don't have to we don't have to do all these things. These people say, you know, I'm sure if you and I sat here for a good 40 minutes, 
we could literally question apart the fabric of how things are. You know what I mean? It, it wouldn't take much. We would just have to go, well, why do we really do that? Why do we, you know, why did they only put money in this? Why do people only want to buy this? Well, why does the government, you know, I could go on and on. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It comes apart. And this is the thing about everything. And so you start to wonder how much of this is just really a kind of a scam or a con job that's been going on for, well, I guess ever since people had societies. You know, <laughs> down we go. Well, yeah, question, I mean, if you, if you think about like the way leadership talks about how we're supposed to interact with one another, like I was just thinking about like the Biden speech that he gave a couple of days ago. Um, we're recording this just after the State of the Union. And it's always just about getting people back to work into jobs, into meaningless jobs just for the sake of it. And it's just like, how come we're not talking about stimulating the economy in a way where let's get people starting their own business. Let's get people financing their own projects in, so, in some form or another, because that will also probably stimulate the economy way better than just plugging people into factory jobs. Um, but then hmm. that opens up the my biggest pet peeve is that like education is all about training people to get jobs, not to start jobs, not to like start companies. <laughs> it's just like, and that's something that like, People who have listened to this podcast, uh, again, I probably bring it up every three episodes, like just how much I despise the education system. Oh, man, don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to have somebody, you're going to have a devil on your shoulder here. I am definitely, a, yeah, no, education system needs a huge revamping. It, like, I mean, it's just a mess. It's like to the point where it needs to be completely dismantled and then literally built back up again. Like, you know, you can't just break it down halfway. It's got so much garbage, so much badness about it. And, you know, people are waking up, I think, especially because of the pandemic, as you said yourself, you know, you, you, you know, a little bit of that time off work and a little bit of, you know, to focus and really think just for a minute, like, what the heck was I doing? I'm miserable all the time working for these other people. And, you know, I, it's, it's great that they have their dream, but what about mine? You know, yeah. you know, we're all individuals until we have to go to work, according to the overlords, <laughs> you know, and um, no, 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 we, we, everybody has, has something they can offer. And I think that that's the, the failure of this, you know, these economies is that it completely wipes that out for people, you know? So I, I don't know. I would agree with that. Um, yeah, when when I enrolled in undergrad, I I enrolled at um, it's called SUNY Empire State College, which is the SUNY school that's geared towards working adults. Okay, um, I wasn't working. I decided to straight up just stop working, except for eventually I would end up in a work study where I was tutoring students, uh, and I committed three and a half years to uh, to it. So I was doing summer courses as well. Uh, and my my essay to get into this school was basically about how the public education system failed me. And I was just like laid into him. I laid into my guidance counselor. I named her in the essay. I, <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm like, 
when I told her I wanted to go to college to, to study film, she laughed in my face and she goes, doesn't your father have a union he can get you into? And I'm like, those guys who are always making fun of me every time I tried to do something sports-like, like I, I, I remember trying to join the wrestling team and just got made fun of for that. I'm like, I really don't want to work with those people, even if it was a job I was interested in, which I'm not, I wasn't interested in working on the waterfront. Uh, I, it's yeah. also about surrounding yourself with supportive people, and, and none of those people were. And so I'm like, I would rather just get an education. She's like, yeah, I just don't know that I, I want to waste my time helping you with that. Um, and I was just like, all right, uh, I'll save this for later. <laughs> and I did. And Empire State College was just like, we want you. And, and wow. bro... I got uh, whatever the highest Latin honors are, I got those. And I ended up getting like countless grants. Like I was almost fully funded, except for like the last term. Uh, and right. it's just A straight up. They undid a lot of damage, especially where my math skills are concerned. Um, and they just basically retooled my brain so that I could actually calculate tip prior to going back to college. I couldn't even calculate tip. I didn't know how to like move the decimal over and stuff. Uh, and they just like completely just destroyed all the damage that the main education system did to me. So nice. Um, I definitely like feel like anybody who's feels like their their education is subpar. Find a place to go back to school and network with professors and just, you know, you're in control of undoing that damage. Yeah, I, I hear you all the way. Um, I, oh, I could go on for hours about the horrors of the education system. Oh, and how awful it is. You know, and the problem what I experienced with it is unless you're in a place where you were, where they need serious people, right, where they have pressure, where they have to say, look, you know, to the state, look, with our funding, we have this graduate here, look at, look at his performance, right? That's a school that maybe had pressure on it. But when a school doesn't have pressure on it, oh, man, out comes the cronyism, out comes the favoritism. And I realize, you know, I'm walking through grad school, and these people, these professors, I can say straight up to them, I can say, do you know the difference between luck and skill? And they will be able to articulate that to me in every dimension possible, except in the realistic world, <laughs> they're taking science people who are just lucky sometimes. Sometimes you get a good project. And just because the project, you know, it was go, you know, it's something that will work, that person is judged to be proficient. But the problem is you were just lucky. That's not skill because there's other skilled people that are completely failing because the project was a dud, you know. And then there's always, as you know, uh, funding, funding pressures, right? I, I remember I had a few. You know, where you, well, you only got so many years, you got to get out of here at some point. And it's like, oh, okay. So I guess I'll just take the worst project. But this was one of my big problems with it. And I thought, I, people don't still, the institutions do not understand the difference between luck and skill. They're just pushing anyone through that looks good for them, that makes them look good at the moment and say, look, see, we did this. And it's like, I don't know if you did. <laughs> yeah, I could see that also. Like, I mean, that definitely applies to like the arts fields. Okay, or, like, if yeah. you're lucky enough to be born into it, you are more likely to make it. If you're lucky enough to even be born in New York, you're more, more likely to make it uh, simply by yep. your geographical location. Um, but 
even in, with science too, I would imagine that depending on the science, of course, take astronomy, for example, how lucky you would have to be to see something anomalous through your telescope at the right time. <laughs> Boom. Suddenly you're, you're the, the biggest astronomer in the room for at least a couple of years, you know? Yeah, absolutely. But at the same time, how many other people were looking, how many skilled people were still looking and they just weren't lucky enough to catch that. And this is what I didn't like about it, right? They just completely act as if there's just, oh, okay, well, that guy did, so he's great, and no one else is. And it's like, I don't know. But at the end of it, right, there's a whole funding thing. They got into this in science, publish or perish thing, where if you're not publishing papers and putting them out, you don't get funded again. And it's kind of like, well, this is a whole other story and a whole other can of worms, but this isn't the right way to do things, guys. You know, in a world where we have virus, we just went through a pandemic, you know, and there's going to be probably more problems. I think we need more solutions. But, you know, I don't know. That goes back to where and who gets money. And that's a whole other thing. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I wouldn't even know where to begin with what a corrective move would be to that, because... I think academic financing is really screwed up to a point where I just, you know, it's just. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I completely agree. It's not yeah, just it's, the sciences too. It's, no, I think it's everything. I think it's everything. Anything that comes out of a school. I think even a high school, everything. I think our whole education system is messed up. You know what I mean? We're not even teaching people critical thinking, which I don't know if you've noticed I try to tap into that once in a while on the Twitter account. Uh, I try to get, you know, put up little things about logical fallacies and stuff like this, just to try to get people to understand, like, we really have a pandemic of confirmation bias and people that don't really understand critical thinking, like basic critical thinking. You know, like you'll get someone that makes a statement that's completely contradictory and you try to point it out to them and they just walk all over you and they're like, yeah, like I said, and it's like, <laughs> well, it isn't like that my i've always said and this goes back to you know the problems with the education system it doesn't focus enough on critical thinking skills not it at all focuses too much on uh take take the way they failed me at math for example it was always just about memorizing the timetables uh and with if you memorize it you pass the test and and but they never explained, and I, I asked again and again and again, how does it work? I want to know the logic of how this, why does this table work? I didn't get that answer until I was 35. <laughs> uh, and, and I just want to know how math worked so that I could figure it out. Um, I don't want to waste my time memorizing timetables because if I know how something works, I can take it apart and put it back together. And suddenly algebra is nothing, you know? And yeah, see, you were too deep. You're too deep for the system. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they failed you, you know, I they agree. failed because you were too smart for them. And that's the whole, that's exactly the point is they don't find people like you and realize this is a gifted student. You know, the people that just sit there and parrot what they teach them, that's, that's not gifted. The gifted guy is going to go deep and he's going to say why. And it's, the school system fails us this way. Yeah. Well, I had a, I have a nephew who uh, my sister removed. They moved simply to move to a different education system 
uh, because he was dealing with like probably I would say similar but maybe even worse issues where like he was the smartest kid in the room he is the smartest kid in the room and he wasn't performing simply because of one external factor that he was being bullied and the teacher just didn't believe that that could contribute and so my sister bought a house in a completely different city just because they had as a, one a zero tolerance policy on bullying but two because the teachers immediately recognized that this kid had something and when i say he has something he's writing stellar short stories in elementary school he was designing new words in the english language because there were no words to describe what he wanted to describe and he was thinking about words his sentences at a minimalist level you know most people when they're young they're writing they're overwriting because they think that that's writing really truly good writing is minimalist and he was he's already thinking about that he's in middle school now but when he was in like elementary school if he wanted to just stop his assignment and go to another classroom and write he had permission from the new school to do that and that to me is it's way better system of just not only identifying wow. somebody's gift but giving them the opportunity to build on it whoa well, who are the, these people we should get them to like literally run the national program the gorham this school is how district. it should be done <laughs> this is how it should be done this is the problem you you know people should be identifying people like him students like him and realizing let him go let him let him do his thing you know i i was not half that smart i don't think in my high school years that i did attend <laughs> not even half as smart <laughs> yeah i was nowhere this guy's a that. genius Sorry, wow, ahead. that's that's yeah, no, it's incredible. Like he's just a genius. Like that's amazing. Inventing words. I would have never thought about it. I thought, okay, well, what, what kind of word do I use for this? I don't know. I'll write a crappy sentence, right? I'll write two crappy sentences to cover up the fact that I don't want to go and look up a word. I remember being like this in you know elementary school. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't that's write anything of substance till I was at least uh junior in high school but you know oh, what wow. he sent me for christmas like two years ago <laughs> he, he designed his own board game and he built all the pieces all the rules <laughs> all, all the complexities of it and mm -hmm. yeah just hit record thanks there my girlfriend's helping me with my camera <laughs> um and he sent me this one-of-a-kind really complex board game that nobody else has and i just i took all the pieces i, I didn't want to play with it because it was really delicate on like paper yeah uh, but it, but it's huge like he took all this eight and a half by 11 paper and he cr taped it all together and created like this really stellar looking board game i just like carefully like put it into plastic and archived it because <laughs> i'm sure he's going to forget about it and then like years later i'll like present it back to him Oh yeah, like this—he's got a big mind on him. Like this is huge. This man has a mind. Wow. And you think that if your sister hadn't have done those things to preserve that, you know, if she hadn't gotten on this and got him out of that toxic environment, we'd potentially lose a scholar here. And who knows what yeah. this guy's going to do? And this is the people we need. To her credit, she has been probably the best sort of mother 
a person can ever hope for because one of the things that really floored me, we grew up poor where penny pinching was the name of the game. Right, but okay. she had this policy with both of her kids that if they were out and about, if they wanted a book at any point, she, she would say, yes, you can have a book. Toys were another question, of course. Uh, junk food was another question. But anytime they just wanted a book, it was always a yes. And so they have more books yeah. than anything else. And I think that was wow. a big contributor. Okay, that does make a lot of sense, yeah. Because it shows, it places the value on knowledge. I mean, that's our main way of getting knowledge other than, you know, discussion. But books are... Books are gold. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, uh, that's an amazing story. I'm glad that you, you let me know this. It gives me hope about life because I've been seeing everything as being this like flushing void going and spiraling down and, you know, people just, you know, getting a belief, you know, like this orange is, you know, rules the world. And you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> everybody's going insane, right? And I get all of it for attention, but I think a lot of people are getting to the point where they've isolated themselves so much that they even might even start believing it, you know, literally yeah. because they have nothing else to go off of. It's really easy to when you don't have access to the world. And I'll find that yeah. a lot of the people who, who believe in conspiracy theories don't oh. <laughs> travel, don't meet other people. You know, I, I used to believe in a lot of conspiracy theories. And then I moved to New York in my early 20s. Then I started having congressmen at the dinner table. And, and then you start to realize that, one, nobody can keep a secret. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter what the secret is. Uh, and two, uh, the, there's a lot of misinformation about how things work, like the military or the government. Or it's, it's uh, most cock-ups occur in government because administrators drop the ball or they're too lazy to file the paperwork, right? Or some bullshit like that. Uh, and I'll have to bleep myself out, but a lot of people seem to think it's a lot more organized than it really is. Yep. Yeah. They forget that they're people too. And they're that people that are definitely working a job that probably isn't that fun. You know, I'm sure you come in with a lot of pride into a government job, maybe even the first few months. But I'm sure when you're not appreciated, you know, for a year, people are throwing things at you for a year, you know, or more. I'm sure you become the regular person after a while, right? <clears throat> you think, oh, I could file that later. <laughs> you know, they're people too, right? And I mean, it can't be that fun of a job. No. I don't know. I mean, most people take those jobs for the benefits. Right. So are they even focused on what like, they're doing? I don't know all? anybody who graduated high school like with with a message in their yearbook like, oh, I want to be an auditor for the IRS. <laughs> well, you're going to be an auditor for the IRS because you need to pay your mortgage. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that's literally it, right? It's That's the only ticket to getting money so you can eat. <laughs> you know, if you got it, if you can get in that, you know, with all the security clearances or whatever will come with that. Yeah, but. Yeah. You know, I mean, this is the problem, right? And so we don't really live on this, you know, stacked up, beautiful, pristine society where everybody else is doing their job except, you know, you or me or whoever, right? 
it's it's a it's a it's a system that I think just like nature barely works and gets along, you know, and we're just just works enough. Yeah. Just not well enough. though. Yeah, Keeps but us, not we're well. Afloat. <laughs> we're afloat. That's about it. Yeah. Yeah, with a lot of water in the boat. <laughs> uh, yes, these these island uh, analogies really work for me. Um, <laughs> maritime analogy. Um, do you? So, how many books do you have? I saw quite a few on Amazon. I ended up downloading Contemplation: Four Hundred Questions for the Inquisitive. How many books do you have? Yeah, I have four in total right now that are up on Amazon. Now, Contemplation is more of a nonfiction book. The other three are fiction. Um, if you're looking for questions in intelligence, I don't recommend them. You know, if you're looking for, you know, looking to shake your head and go, my God, I can't believe this. They're very good for that. But Contemplation is possibly my only book with an IQ. So there is that. But um, I am working on a sequel to Contemplation, which is just basically another Contemplation and another 400 questions, as well as another book, which is, I guess, my maybe might be my first attempt at a philosophy book. So that's also going to, I'm also working on that, although it's slow because it's hard to write a very smart book that's smarter than I am. So yeah. I don't know how I'm going to write it because I need smarts to do it. And I don't think I have those smarts to write it. It's, it's, an ambitious book. So the, that's for the future. Yeah, I once tried to write an art philosophy book, like a philosophy of why art exists. And I couldn't get past the first paragraph rationalizing why I was even thinking about it. <laughs> that's, that's, that's insanely ambitious. Like you think about how deep you have to, you know, that's mm -hmm. a lot of work. I don't have and enough so shovels to dig that deep. <laughs> no, and I, I'm wondering if I even have a shovel at this point for my own book, because it's, it's along the lines of that, and I don't really know if I can. So I'm just kind of playing around with it, kind of seeing if it's possible to write it. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a few good verses, but it's like you can't just have a few good paragraphs or, you know, verses in it. you got to have the whole thing has to be good. So that's a bit scary at the moment. I just don't know what I'm going to do. Well, on, Hopefully. The, on the second contemplation book is that actually going to be called another contemplation <laughs> yeah literally that's it yeah i mean i mean that's what i should call it now that you've given me this <laughs> thank you i was just gonna yeah i was just gonna make it basically inverted colors so it's white with black font and that's it and just say two somewhere it's just something that i figured as uh, one of my friends really put it really well uh you know something that goes on your coffee table right you just pick it up if you've been drinking with your friends or whatever and hey guys well let's ask some questions you know i figured it would be just good for that it's just something because i don't see enough books like this where people you know have something that can instantaneously stir them up to think yeah you know our society just seems to be in you know silly amusements right like a new iphone or something great as it is it's not that smart right yeah. Well, you know, it was funny, too. Uh, I just had this conversation with the only high school teacher I am friends with in real life. Um, <laughs> I had him my senior year of high school, and I've been, I was texting him the other day, and, I'm, and I told him that the reason I wasn't scared of AI is because my iPhone keeps misinterpreting things in the silliest of ways. And um, I actually deleted the thread because I'm always deleting 
information, but uh, yeah, I, I don't like I've had an iPhone for about a little over a year now, and I'm just like, yeah, it's kind of every time I see it, I get stressed out. I think that's a, <laughs> yeah. a red flag. <laughs> yeah, no, no, really, yeah, that's a, that's a very interesting point. Yeah, I don't go. I haven't bought one. I I don't want to go near it because you know I'm thinking no, just use a simple Samsung. Don't don't get yourself caught in this. What are you going to do with it? You know, like you're not going to do anything with it. You know, I'm barely tech savvy as it is, so I don't know. Yeah. Um, well, I, I I think this is a, a fabulous approach to just any anything creating a discourse, writing start with questions see what you get do you get a lot of answers from people do you get like people like i'm sure shit this is the answer to all these questions so i don't think i have a critical mass of people that have that have the book yet so i don't know some people i've tried to say please let's post them on here and let's just discuss some of them right just to see if we can get any kind of insights and i just don't think there's a critical mass of people that are familiar with the book or know that i even have it yet um, so, I mean, I guess it's a waiting period now, maybe, but hopefully it catches on. It may not, though. I mean, it's, it's an indie book and, you know, to market these things is, yeah. seems like a nightmare. <laughs> it is a nightmare. Yeah. And it's also like really, um, it seems like it's all the normalities are geared towards books that have publishers behind them. So like if you wanted to do a giveaway on Goodreads, you now have to pay like $700 to Amazon in order to give away your book. Um, whereas before Amazon bought Goodreads, you could just do giveaways and you would just mail them to whoever won. Uh, oh, it's man. really, really shady. Uh, that is. It's something that I have to start looking at because uh, I have yeah. another one that's almost done. Um, but you, it seems like, though, you have really good engagements on Twitter. Yeah, I'm lucky. I'm very lucky that people actually pay attention to anything that I'm putting up there. And I'm super lucky because a lot of these people that keep coming back are super intelligent. You know, you read some of these things and you're going, how in the hell did they get that smart? I, I have no chance of being this smart. <laughs> you know, and it's like, it's amazing how many smart people there are out there and how many of them are very hungry for something, you know, that's kind of in the ball, you know, their, their ballpark. And so you have to ask these kind of unanswerable, deep, you know, never ending thought sort of questions for them. Cause they'll figure out, they figure out the, um, the easy ones pretty fast. Actually, it's quite amazing. Some people just hit it bang on. Gold, so what's an easy one? I don't. Oh, man. Now you got me. <laughs> Remember, I'm not these people, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, an easy one would be like, why does government do something the way they do? And th th it's a very simple thing because it can be tied back to something like money or something like this. And, and people will do it and they'll do it in the space of a tweet. Nice and succinct. And you'll be like, man. Like, I could not write this that well. <laughs> How did they articulate that? And they do it fast, right? There'll be somebody will just come up one minute after you post, and they'll have this there, and you're going, man, I think they just really, they just closed the question. <laughs> yeah. And that's where and you so, would award them the medal? <laughs> yeah, so the medal, the medal, the idea behind it is, it, it, some people think it's because I agree with it. It's not because I agree with it, because some of the times I'm putting out the medal, and I'm going, I don't agree with that, but... 
it's a good point. And I can't walk, you know, I can't scroll away from this tweet without giving it some appreciation. You know, this person took the time out to write it. They, you know, they could, you don't have to be on Twitter, right? None of us have to be there. But they took the time out and they really, you know, put some value into it. You have to give something. And I don't know, I can't give out candy or anything like that, you know, or real gold medals. But, you know, I thought this is the best way to do this is just to let people know, like, thank you. This is really good. And someone reading this, you know, not participating, they may really, you know, get some really good insight into this. And so that's why I do that. Okay. Yeah, I... uh that's how I found you. I found you through Twitter, and then I looked at your Amazon bio and uh, reached okay. out to you through Facebook. Uh, so you got my attention for sure, and certainly there's got to be more people who are going to reach out to you if you keep at it. I, uh, I'm interested in hearing about your fiction. Oh, man. I know, okay. I know, I know. I know. It's, it's less IQ, right? But that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, very less to the point where there is no <laughs> IQ. <laughs> I think this is where IQ diminishes. There is no setting it at 100. It's like zero and below. Um, these are just basically stories that um, I have actually lived through. And actually, when I wrote the books, I thought, you know, it's kind of amazing that I was able to write a story out of them because this is literally the sequence of events that did happen and did occur. And I'm thinking, you know, I thought I had a very normal, you know, pretty much a very boring life. I, if I would say, I wouldn't even say it was average. Average is more exciting. I think I had a pretty flat life. But then I read them and, uh, you know, through writing them and I'm sitting there thinking, wow, this is actually a little bit more than I can remember. And so I used to tell people these stories and they, you know, we'd be drinking, having a couple beers, you know, and a couple beers would turn into more beers. And they're laughing and they think it's hilarious and all these things. And I'm going, you guys actually think this is funny? And they're like, yeah, man, you've got to write this down. So this is how I started to do it. And it was just stories about people I knew, things they did. And I was able to put it into a story and people loved it. And so they actually really sold well off social media, especially my first one, which is Chronic Calamity. And people had even gotten to the point where they were saying, dude, you got to make this into a movie. You know, you gotta you gotta find a director and write a script. And I wrote a script for it just because I thought it was more fun to write a script. Um, but I never really got out there and pushed for it because I thought, I don't know, audience will find this offensive. And you know, it's so against the the I don't know what I would say the conventional norm or expectations are now. You know, it's a bunch of kids growing up in the 80s doing 80s things and things they shouldn't be doing. And it's just full of that. All these parents would scream at me. They'd literally cancel the movie. You know, I'd be thrown out if it was made into a movie. And I think, although there's some good potential in that, <laughs> you know, there's no chance of putting it into real life. Do you think there's more, you're more likely to get canceled for making a movie than writing a book? Yeah, because I think as it would be depicted, you know, there's there'd be times where kids are smoking cigars, you know, because mm. one of them stole them off their parents or stole it from the store, you know, mm. you know, throwing pine cones at cars and, you know, people's houses, snowballs, eggs, you know, all these things that these kids do. I think now I think people are just they they literally think it's, you know, the Antichrist. You know, I think people have gone ballistic about, you know, you drop an eraser in the wrong place and someone's going to be like, how dare you drop this eraser? 
You know what I mean? And I think people have just gotten so, I don't even think the word sensitive. I think reactive is the word. I think a movie like that, you know, would forget it, you know, forget it. <laughs> you know, they'll pick a million holes in it. They'll be like, my God, this is so bad. And yeah. So I, you know, people were saying I had some people give me a little bit of cash even for it. And I think I have to give it back literally because I'm going to say, look, guys, there's no chance of this happening. <laughs> you know, even if it did get made, even if I could find people to do it, you know, it's getting it thrown out just literally because, you know, it's so politically incorrect. I think literally I'd get, you know, I get egged <laughs> right off the stage. <laughs> well, I saw a film recently called Licorice Pizza. I don't know if you've heard okay. of it. It's a new, no, I haven't. It's a new film by the guy who did Magnolia. Okay. Um, I forget his name. It's one of those like three named directors. Um, but I think, oh, what's his name? Anyway, it was a good film. It was a character piece uh, mm -hmm. about this teenager who had a thing for his teacher, which already okay. were dancing on the line of controversy. But yep. the thing that people were up in arms about was this, there's a racist character in it who is obsessed with Asian women. And so uh, he's always doing like a Mickey Rooney type of Asian, fake Asian accent when he talks to them because he thinks that they okay. understand English better. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and, man. <and laughs> it was obviously done to paint this character as a douchebag. And it wasn't anything other than that. It wasn't the director saying that this is how you should talk to them, you know, but people were just like, you're racist for even writing that in the script and it's just like come on yeah but i think now, you nailed it with the word reactionary people are just yeah. so on edge that they're just reacting yeah. without thinking yeah it's a reactive that's what i was worried about now in my other books like you don't have to worry about racism there's no racism whatsoever i mean that that i wouldn't have to worry about but i would have to worry about is someone trying to make up something literally like that out of nowhere because yeah. this is what people seem to do sometimes is they just don't want you to succeed, you know, and they'll just be like, well, this is that or that is this. And you're kind of like, how did you how do you get this? But, you know, there's also this sort of thing. And I think there's a lot of this jealousy that kind of gets disguised as being, you know, heroic, I don't know, or sometimes because some things are bad. Some things do need to be pointed out. I'm not going to take that away from it because there are some things I see and it's like, okay, well, that doesn't need to be there. Sure. But when you are making up things that could also be equally or more thought of that it isn't, now we have a problem, right? And this reactionist sort of wave that comes tumbling at you and swallows you up and drowns you out. I don't know. I don't know. It's, um, I guess that's what the whole thing is with the book companies too, right? I didn't really look to try to publish it through a publisher. I, I assumed there's no way they would have published it anyway. Yeah. Just because it's, you know, parents don't want their kids throwing eggs at their house anymore or toilet papering their car or, you know, they're, you know, <laughs> that's offensive now, apparently. Hmm. Yeah, I, I can't even begin to understand what it is people are really looking for. Um, you know, I... I was active for a while in submitting 
screenplays, submitting actually made films to festivals, mm. submitting uh, what do you send like the first couple of chapters to like an agent or whatever that's that sort of thing. Yeah, and it always just came down to an individual person's taste. And so if and and when it didn't, or even if it did and they liked it. Then that an editor might say something like, "Well, I don't know. I don't know if it works with the zeitgeist, you know, <laughs> or whatever." Yeah, uh, and it's just like all those factors, and so I, I've kind of shifted to a point mentally where, like, I don't think that the industrial system of art, if you want to even call it that, mm-hmm. uh, works. I, I think artists need to find another way to to stay productive to have resources coming in uh, and I think now more than ever we live in a world with the technology that makes that possible uh, but I, I would like to see more artists going independent and recreating a new normality what does it mean to publish what does it mean to have validation after you've published and, and I remember like my first book I published through Lulu I don't know if you remember mm-hmm. Lulu.com that was before Amazon was in this business of. Oh, okay, yeah, uh, yeah, okay, I remember. And, you know, you just did your on-demand thing through Lulu, <laughs> and then ev- eventually they pushed it out to Amazon, and then you get to it. You it got to a certain point where like, well, what do I need Lulu? I'll just go through Amazon, and right. that's sort of how Amazon became the big indie publisher. But now that we're here. Uh, what I found is a lot of big publishers are just having Amazon run off their books anyway. Like I've bought mainstream books and it's so clearly run off by Amazon printed in Delaware on the state, you know, and it's just like, okay, so (laughs) if everybody now is using the same technology, what does validation mean? Like I just, (laughs) yeah. No, I, 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 you've got some great points there. That's some great points because you're right. I think we have to t- take it a whole new direction. I think the whole platform is, yeah, it has to change because anybody puts up a work and all it becomes is something to throw, you know, darts at basically. And it's like, like that doesn't help the artist. It doesn't help the audience either because if you're only looking to destroy things, they got, uh, they got rage rooms for this. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard of those rage rooms. No. No. Okay. Yeah. I love, it's a, the, it's a, I love the term. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's a, it's a room. Literally you go and pay and you can sit in it, take a baseball bat and you can smash in a blender and scream while you do it. And they're, they're definitely on there. Like there, there's a couple near here and uh, yeah, <laughs> maybe that's what the money's really in these days is open a rage room and let someone, smash up a refrigerator while screaming at, you know, their hypothetical boss. I don't know. <laughs> because art just doesn't get that platform it used to have, you know? Yeah. And I don't know what that is. Is it proximity effects? Is it because it's so easy to find art now that, you know, it's become unappreciated? Whereas before the internet, you know, you had to kind of go places. You had to put in an effort just to see, you know, a painting or get a book, you know, from a certain store. I don't know. I wonder if proximity effects have something to do with it, though. Oh, certainly. we tend to, yeah, I think we tend to, you know, not appreciate something that we don't really have to work for. Yeah. Well, and you know, odd. 
I always found that like the thrill of getting an indie film that isn't published through a mainstream vendor so exhilarating when I can find like an old DVD in some used store and like nobody else has this and it's a false sort of value right it's not like it's backed by the government but I find (laughs) value in it simply because it's a piece of art that isn't streaming it's just this is as far as I'm concerned this is the last copy you know and so sometimes I'll just buy like these indie films that aren't available anywhere else from used bookstores uh and that's that's one version of it uh with Mm -hmm. with literature there's a whole other like rabbit hole of philosophy um i don't know if you ever heard of this website i forget the name of it i'll have to do some research so i can put a link into the description but this guy made this website where any permutation of words that could ever be derived from the English language exists on a tree that he created. It's like a virtual tree. So one branch has the Great Gatsby, but then there's branches all over that have elements of the Great Gatsby. And so you can find all your questions in this tree just based on like his algorithm. All the questions you have yet to come up with for your next book already exists on this tree. You just have to know where to look for it. And it's just about permutation of letters. And so all everything we've ever written is written. We just have to mine it, right? And so yes. it's, it's how valuable is what we're creating if it already exists? Right. Uh, there was another brilliant individual, a friend of mine, who has said to me, sure, everything's been done under the sun, but everything, the distinction is in individuality, Right. And I think that's the, the the biggest thing is, you know, someone can write a book about dinosaurs, another person can write, you know, Jurassic Park, you know, I think that's where it is, maybe. But well, yeah, a lot of things have been done, right? Like literature, I'm well, sure like any of my books have already been written somewhere. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing too, with like Jurassic Park is that's in the tree. Like, it's in the tree <laughs> in full, but it's also in the tree in infinite parts. Yeah. Wow. Isn't that... That is, that's so cool. I'll have to send that to you if I can find it. Please do. Please uh, do. You got to hit it one more time, Jan. Thanks. Um, No, that's wild. What a great idea. That is so cool. So I'm going to put links to all your books in the description, if that's okay. I I like the sound of uh, people discovering your fiction uh, and uh, warming to it. I, th- yeah. I think we'll get past this whole thing, though, where people are reactive. I, I think is there's a power struggle going on right now, and it's really just about power. Uh, and yeah, that's what it looks like. It highly looks like that. And the big problem is, is the problem with reaction. It doesn't have a plan. It's that once you barred and banned everything under the sun, what are you going to do for fun? <laughs> you know what are, what are you going to do when you have nothing left you know like what is going to be entertaining you know uh, granted i i get it there are some things again that are you know definitely offensive you know what i mean like i don't want to see something with racism in it personally you know what i mean i don't think most people do but you know what i mean you know if it's something you know like you know the way someone holds a pencil or something and you know there's some contrarian that jumps up on youtube and says look at this 
this is against da 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 da. It's like, come on, man, seriously. Yeah. You know, how many more times there are people going to have to do that? You know, only to find that you can't have any movies anymore because, you know, the moon shone at a wrong angle and it offended you, right? <laughs> you know, you can't you can't be ridiculous with it. You have to be, you know, you have to be just with it, but you have to be, you know, you have to know that there's a limit. But I think it's what you said. I think it's a power struggle a lot of the time. And yeah, we'll wait and see how that ends up for everyone. I always try to stay optimistic, even when I don't want to. It is. It's the best way to be. It's yeah. true, though. As you get through life, you start realizing you can always be down about something. It's the more energy is to just be optimistic and just say, you know what, look, it, look, it looks, it's headed into a piece of shit, sure. But you know what? I'm going to smile. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the way I dealt with the Trump years and the pandemic years and oh, it, anything yeah. that seemed in, the antithesis of what I was, an artist, you know, uh, he voided arts funding from the federal government for four years. I just created more art. Fuck that. Yeah, I just created yeah. way more art than I ever created. Pandemic lockdown, okay. I'll take those PUA benefits and I'll just use it to create art. I made a feature film with all that money. <laughs> like, That's, like, wow. Like, uh, it's wow. an art house film that probably nobody's going to watch, but it, it, it's kind of about an artist living in a reality that's not friendly to the arts. How perfect, what, what a perfect way to deal with the pandemic. Uh, no, I think you did the right thing. That's exactly what you should, what people should do. That's and, exactly yeah. what you should do. And I think regardless of like what happens with, you know, these power struggles and whatnot, if people, more people just like, one, started asking more questions, stopped being so reactionary, uh, and maybe mm -hmm. even adopt a rule of answering your questions with another question. I think that's the best yeah. way to engage with you. Uh, but yes. then also just react to everything. You told them my secret, Eric. You told them my secret. <laughs> now I'm in for it. <laughs> it's, 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 it makes the platform more empathetic in the end. Uh, but yes. React to everything rather than by starting an argument. React it to everything by creating art. Okay, well, you don't like what this guy did with the film? Create your own artistic piece and do it the way you would do it um, because then you're creating an actual discourse not in I don't know what the opposite of a discourse is in the moment but I'm sure I'll come up with it as mm -hmm. soon as we hang up uh, whatever this currently is in society um, mm -hmm. but yeah no I that's, that's, <laughs> it's, that's perfectly perfectly said exactly because the problem is people, you know, don't realize like, you know, if you have a bad situation like this pandemic, now you have all the spare time to really kind of stretch out and do your own thing, you know, and like you, you did really well. I tried to write as much as I could, too. That was the big thing. Instead of, you know, doing weekend travels and stuff like this, like I normally did, I'm at home and I tried to write, 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 you know, just put things down on paper. And if they're a garbage project, just leave it. You know what I mean? As much yeah. as I'm going to get enough projects there, one of them is going to be good. So, so. that's how everybody should be doing it. That's exact. That's a writing practice. Yeah. It's a solid writing practice too. Yeah, just keep writing it down, and just write the idea down, and then just write another one down, and just see it as a bunch of lottery tickets. 
which mind you, this strategy I learned, I think that was the most important thing I learned out of all of my schooling was when I realized how people did things, successful people, because I got to meet a few and they tended to always take a bunch of ideas and then just see which one panned out. And so I thought, oh, wow, it's all statistics. Isn't that cool? And so that's how I started looking at things. And it, it started working for me as well. So, you know, I don't know. Hopefully if anybody hears this on the podcast, uh, maybe it, the idea is just take all of your ideas and, you know, give them some, give them respect, you know, write them down, yeah. keep them somewhere. You never know one day, you know, you might have thought, you know, one story was a dud and you'll have an idea and target looking at shampoo and you'll go, oh my God, this is the universe. Run back. And you'll write, you know, a Grammy-winning screenplay. Yeah. Who knows? No, it makes a lot of sense. It's, and I can tell you that that's kind of how it happens. And sometimes that thing that you wrote that is a dud for like a few years might not be a dud when you ask the right question about it. This so is you true. Circle back. Uh, yeah. The thing I'm finishing now, I put away for a couple of years until I figured out what I needed to do with it. Um, and mm-hmm. It's just. It's uh, you said you, you you use the word statistics, yeah. And then earlier <laughs> I used the word permutation when it came to language. So maybe it's a mix of permutation and and statistics, or the statistics of permutation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's it's all related, right? Like these things are definitely related. So it's um, I don't know. See, we're kind of converging on the same beast here. Yeah. Uh, but I love the, the calling them lottery tickets. That makes a lot of sense. I just sorted all of my writing uh, projects uh, on my laptop th- this morning. Mm-hmm. You know, nice. like I'll occasionally just adjust the folders and get rid of the the old drafts and things like that. And I'm like, man. But th- it, there's at least thirty work in progress projects. And oh, nice, nice. I love the idea of thinking, I'm not going to think about them in any other way now, except that they're lottery tickets, just waiting to be cashed in. Yeah, no, because one of them's going to, you know, and, and it's because things don't come at us linearly, right? They come at us stochastically, like out of nowhere. You know, like I said, you can be anywhere. You can pump a gas in your car. You could be just sitting there watching a bunch of ducks, you know, on the Hudson River, whatever it is. And you could just hit you. Oh, man, that's what that story needed. That's what it was missing. You know, you dash back home, type away all night, and there you go. You never know when that's going to happen. And you got to treat everything like that because we all have content. I think everyone has content, but I think it's tapping into how to get that content out and onto a shareable medium. That is the artist's predicament. Yes. Well, that's, you know. that's a whole other episode. <laughs> yeah, no, no doubt. This will be the second National Poetry Month uh, I've done with the podcast. Last year I did, I, I usually just do one episode every week on Mondays. Yeah. But last year I did, for the whole month of April, I did Monday and Thursday releases. So I doubled up. And okay. I overshot them. So I ended up having a lot of writers after April as well. Uh, and so All right. uh, we'll see what happens this time around. You're the first okay. one so far for, for April. Oh, cool. Cool. So. I can't wait. I, I'm psyched. 
and I'm ready to retweet and I'll put it up on my Instagram as well. Great. Yeah, I usually use too. both of those. Yeah. I don't use Facebook too much. Like I'm on there. I'd maybe check it once a week just because I don't know what's wrong with that platform, but there's no engagement that matters out of it. And it's just like, forget it. Well, you know, and this will be important to the listeners. Facebook it has rigged the whole algorithm so that if you're mm. trying to do anything beyond talking to your friends, they want you to pay for it. So if you're promoting a book, they're going to block that until you pay, yep. pay for it. Uh, and I update the podcast page on it just as a matter of practice. But at this point, I don't expect it to yield results. Unless, like, new ownership of Facebook transpires and maybe they change the rules. But Instagram and Twitter seems to be where it's at for writers. Yeah. Yeah, they're the only ones where you can get any engagement. You know, people are just trying to get their stuff out. And, you know, these friggin' platform devils, I don't know, they just want to, you know what I mean? They block everything we put out there. And it's like, guys, come on. You know, at least let a few through free a month, if anything, you know? Like, I, I'll get with that. Fair enough. Yeah. But, you, you know, as you say, they don't even let one. The minute it tags it as, you know, from a platform, you know, like a, a music platform or something. Yeah, you forget it. It's gone. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that makes sense. I, I don't, you know, I only ever use Facebook at this point for personal stuff anyway. Um, and I, and to reach out to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm so happy to see it. I'm like, oh, my God, <laughs> I almost missed this. <laughs> I'm surprised that um, I tried looking for podcasts that you might have been on, and I couldn't find. Uh, oh, wow. Podcasts. Yeah, this would be, I think it's my fifth podcast. Really? Fifth or sixth. Yeah. Uh, I can send you the well, links to yeah, my other please. ones. Uh, maybe I'm not digging in the right places. but No, um, I think they're hard to find. I think they're hard to find, yeah. some of them. This is either my, I think it's my fifth. I'll have to look myself. I've almost forgot. Yeah. All right, cool. Yeah, um, otherwise I would have digested all of them this week. But, um, mm -hmm. yeah, uh, podcasters, please reach out to George. He's a great guest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I feel like somebody who asks questions as, you know, the way you do, you, you know, you're known in my head as the guy who asks questions. That's a guest people should want to have. So. <laughs> well maybe until I, I ask too many right and then they'll be like okay okay enough <laughs> but yeah I, I mean I always have questions I mean I think a lot of people do I think we all do and I think that's the one thing where humanity has a lot of room to expand on is to get into asking and refining what we ask and you know how we ask questions and I think I'll end it there it's a perfect end note thank you George Thank you, Eric. I really appreciate you having me here, and it's been a lovely, lovely time. I can't wait to hear this. All right. Likewise, and uh, you're welcome back anytime. Thank you, Thank sir. You new I appreciate it. Right. Okay. I'll let you know. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Okay. Later. Thank you for listening to my podcast. If you have a moment, please consider subscribing to the show wherever you listen. And if the app allows for it, please leave a rating and review. That way, the algorithm moves us up in recommendations. It's a great way for new listeners to find our show. Thanks, and I'll see you on the next episode.